First of all, I want to say hello. My name is Todd Humphreys. I'm from WEI, WorldCom Exchange. I know a bunch of you on, on the phone from days gone by. I used to work at Palo Alto Networks and recently joined WEI to help guide their cybersecurity practice to great things. Uh, as part of this effort, we do try to get together with our strategic partners and, and have interesting topics of conversation, new product releases, and that, that is really the purpose of today's event. We're going to be partnering up with Palo Alto Networks, specifically their Prisma Cloud team, to get a, a, a sort of a deep understanding of, of their Prisma Cloud practice and their uh, technology updates, and we will cover that momentarily. Before we get started, I do want to give you a little bit of background about WEI and our cybersecurity practice. Um, WEI has been around for about 35 years, and we're very well-known, well-respected, and well-resourced technology integrator and VAR based in New England, but doing business across the United States and in over 20 countries as well. Um, very successful company, um, about $400 million in revenue, no debt, um, and always willing to make investments in areas where we see gaps in the industry. And the cybersecurity practice, while it's existed for 20 years, was an area we saw uh, fertile for, for deeper investment. Uh, we have about 200 employees um, in the uh, field organization and the customer facing organization. We have about 12 salespeople, but what we're really proud of is we have about 85 engineers, people who actively get engaged with our customers in a variety of technology solutions and projects. We've been building networks, data centers, doing cloud migrations, implementing security technologies for, for a long time. And one of the other things we're very proud of is our customers keep coming back. If you look on this slide, you can actually see some of the places we do business with. We work with some of the largest companies, not only in New England, but across the country. And frequently get, get acknowledged as, as, a, as a top supplier or supplier of the year. We are a minority supplier. And um, you know, again, we keep our, our customers keep coming back for, for more with us. What is most important to us, though, is the people. And when we invest in the technology or technology sector, we also invest in the expertise to be able to uh, present it, implement it, support it. And this is really an area I think is a, a differentiator for, uh, for WEI. So when we talk about the topic at hand today, when we're talking about cloud, uh, migrations to cloud, you know, virtualization or automation in the cloud, uh, there are real people behind this practice. And, and what's on the list here are, are some of our top people. And you can look at the certifications they carry. These are some of the best in the business. So not only can we talk to you about cloud, cloud migrations, cloud security, but we can help you in these endeavors as well. So what I would say uh, leaving this discussion is if you have projects of this sort, please do give us a call. Uh, there's a lot more to this than, than, than we've talked about so far today, and we'd love to spend some time with you guys. Uh, in terms of our practice, in the cybersecurity practice, there are uh, really four main categories in the practice, but we're really going to focus on the cloud security side of this today. One of the things you'll notice when Ben gets into his presentation is, is this discussion of shift left. And Palo Alto um, has really adopted this notion that cloud security belong or starts at the first line of code. This has always been uh, an operating principle of our cloud team at WEI. We, we fully embrace this. The notion that trying to secure poorly written applications, vulnerable applications after the fact is a losing battle. So the notion here is that shifting left, start when you start writing code, make the code high quality, 
low vulnerability, low exposure, and then work to uh, deploy that and secure it. One of the things that uh, WEI is very focused on, in particular our cloud team, is helping our customers understand when the native cloud security tools delivered by Microsoft, uh, Google, and Amazon are appropriate, or when it's appropriate in more complex or multi-cloud environments to turn to a third-party solution, which is something you're gonna hear a bit about today. Last thing I wanna comment on is one of the unique things that we bring to the table at WEI is helping customers identify and manage their cloud sprawl or their cloud attack surface. A lot of organizations, while they have a plan to move to the cloud and migrate to the cloud, probably don't realize the extent to which teams in your organization have already started doing that. And so the notion of trying to keep your arms around what assets you have in the cloud, which ones are exposed, what risks are, are posed on those assets, very critical, very key part of what WEI brings to the table. So enough about WEI, I think what we wanna, oh, well, I, actually one more thing about WEI, uh, there's more to it uh, at this company than, than just our cybersecurity and our cloud practice. We are an end-to-end -end integrator. So again, there's a lot we do. And again, we have a lot of folks here who can help support these different initiatives. That being said, I wanna now turn this over to Ben Nicholson after a brief introduction. Uh, one of the reasons we're really happy to have Ben on this call is Ben is not a product manager. Ben is not a marketing person. Ben is a global practice lead for Prisma Cloud. He is actually out there deploying this technology. He's intimately familiar with very diverse and complex cloud environments that are at their customers. And I think he's the right guy for the job here. So Ben is gonna be talking about uh, Prisma Cloud and more specifically about the Darwin release, which is their, their latest release of the Prisma Cloud technology. Um, and it's a little nod to the evolution of a very, an already formidable security technology. So Ben, you're joined by greatness on, on the stage here. Right. There you go. So I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna turn over the controls to you and I'll look forward to uh, the conversation. Yeah, so uh, thanks everybody for, for jumping on. Thanks for the introduction as well. Um, let me share my slide deck here. And yeah, so hopefully the conversation today will be helpful for everybody that's kind of attending. Today, I kind of want to talk about understanding what today's threat landscape looks like, what I've seen out in the market and how customers are reacting to it, what everybody's kind of doing, where everybody is when it comes to cloud. One of the things that we've seen is that there are five main challenges to comprehensively securing the cloud right now. And I wanna talk about each one of these uh, and what they really mean. So the first one where we talk about 75% of customers are seeing reported blind spots due to high number of tools. So uh, my background, I was kind of mentioned earlier, is I was ahead of a security team before I joined Palo, I was ahead of a security team for nine years. And then I joined Palo and I've been here eight years now, um, you know, deploying security for, for different companies and stuff like that. When I was ahead of a security team, at the time, everything was on site, it was on-prem, and we were we were kind of bought into what everybody was saying at the time, which was defense in depth, make sure that uh, don't put all of your eggs in one basket, you know, make sure you're getting all this intelligence from all these different tools. But the end result for that was not what we wanted it to be. You know, and the reason for that is because we said, oh, okay, we're going to get all this great intelligence from all these different tools, but they weren't all talking to one another. 
And as a result of that, in addition, what we saw was I would have a team of people and I would be like, okay, this person is in charge of firewalls and IPS and this person over here is in charge of this, this person is in charge of this. But then the people would leave and then I'd be like, oh, well, uh, now I'm trying to A, justify my operational budget, getting the, the right amount of people. But then the people that were in charge of this technology aren't in charge of that technology anymore. And what ends up happening is you wind up having a technology, oh, this one's really well configured. This one is sort of configured. This technology, I don't even know what that does over there. Somebody bought it three years ago. And what winds up happening is you just kind of have a disjointed security platform. And now that we're moving to the cloud, we're seeing the exact same thing. There's, You'll hear this multiple times today for me, is that the problems that we're seeing in the cloud are the same problems that we were seeing in the data center. We're kind of replicating these same issues. And I know when I joined, um, you know, as a security engineer in my previous company, it was like we joined and we we're like, oh, okay, this was, oh, this, uh, you know, data center or this, you know, network was put together 20 years ago. And, oh, there's this problem. You inherit all these like issues. You're like, oh man, there's active, active over here. I don't know what routing is going on over there. And we're like, oh man, if I could just start from the beginning and we could just put this in and do it all the right way. Well, we're kind of in this situation again in the cloud and we're making the same mistakes. So, you know, one thing I'm gonna harp on from here is if you're starting off early in your cloud security journey, you know, to, to kind of start off the right way, to deploy things and be secure from the start, as opposed to kind of replicating the same issues that we that we had before. And one of those is the high number of tools. I, I'm involved in a lot of different CISO roundtable events or different events where we're kind of all just sitting down and talking across the industry. And over and over and over, this gets brought up. And what people are saying right now, just across the industry, is that they're saying, let's reduce the amount of tools. And that's for a lot of different reasons. But one of the reasons is they're saying, okay, we're not seeing, we're not getting the results from our security um, you know, platform that, that we want. We want to be able to consolidate things. How do we do that? Um, in addition, one of the other things that we are seeing is a lot of people can't provide comprehensive coverage due to silo teams. This is a huge one again, as we talk about code security, which we will with Prisma Cloud. Code is, it's easy enough for me to sit up here and say to everybody here, secure all of your code and it's gonna remove all of your problems. All of your vulnerabilities would go away if you just had good code. Well, guess what? People have been writing bad code for a long time. This is not a new issue. So why is it different in the cloud? Well, if you look at the cloud, I'm gonna skip ahead a couple of slides just so I can bring home this point here. 77% of enterprises are deploying code into production weekly. Think about what that means. Okay, you're deploying code to, into production on a weekly, and I believe it's something like 42% are deploying code into production on a daily basis. So if you're deploying code into production on a daily and a weekly basis in the cloud, what is that doing for your vulnerabilities? It's skyrocketing the vulnerabilities. The vulnerabilities that are happening in the cloud are, are way above where they should be. As a result of that, what we're seeing is we're seeing 
modern socks are overwhelmed with alerts and they're not stopping enough cyber attacks. So what's happening right now, what I'm seeing in the cloud environments is we're seeing all these uh, people are deploying code into production on a daily and a weekly basis, is skyrocketing vulnerabilities. They're sending all those vulnerabilities to the sock and then they can't handle them. So we're like, what is the solution here? That's the reason why we talk about securing code earlier in the application lifecycle, why it's so important in the cloud. It's not because this is just a new thing. This has been going on for a long time, but now it's a requirement. And what I'm seeing with across, uh, when I'm talking to a lot of different CISOs about uh, how they're securing the cloud, I was in a, uh, a CISO roundtable probably a month ago. And one of the CISOs kind of stepped up and was like, hey guys, I've been doing this for eight, nine years, and I just started doing it right in the last year. We had all these vulnerabilities. We started moving things, uh, securing things earlier in the application lifecycle. And now my vulnerabilities are down to a manageable level that we can address and we can look at our risk. And everybody's like, oh, okay, how did you do that? How, you know, the conversations that usually happen is a part of that, it's a layer eight issue. It's about how do we involve the teams over on the shift left side and involve them all in the security uh, lifecycle. Now, I will say something that I've found, which I'm not sure that a lot of people fully get uh, when they first start this out, but, but I'll say this. It's not necessarily the role of security to teach the DevOps teams how to be, how to be security engineers. That's not their job. The DevOps teams, the dev teams, their job is to update applications and to get them out quickly. They're working in sprints. Their job is to make more money for the business, right? Our job is to secure things across the application lifecycle. So how do I make sure that I'm introducing security earlier in the application lifecycle where on that side, that is not their priority? Well, the way that you do it is you have to understand why it's important to them. So earlier in my career, one of the mistakes that I made is I said, you know what, I see this as an issue. So I got together a security meetup. I said, you know what, I'm gonna get together all the people of our business and we're gonna talk about security and we're gonna talk about how security imp impacts everybody across the business and we're all gonna work together. It's gonna be kubaya, it's gonna be this great thing, right? And I came in with a mindset of let's all work together on security, right? Why did it not work? The reason why it didn't work is because I came in with the mindset of that everybody in that room was concerned about security as opposed to they had their own reasons for being in that room. They had the reasons of they wanted to secure budget for their particular department. They wanted to do X, Y, and Z, right? So when I come into that room where I'm going and I'm talking to the dev teams, I need to be talking about what's important to them, not what's important to me. And that's what's going to work. So when we start talking to the dev teams of securing things in the application lifecycle, I've, I've been a part of so many different conversations where I hear people saying, oh, teach DevOps security, teach DevOps security. That's not the way to approach things. The way to approach things is to say, how do we make sure that security matters to you? So in other words, what matters? Deploying things in, uh, at, a, at a fast pace. So if you look at your existing processes, 
do you have a manual security review that's taking up amount of time? You have a security review, but it's taking up time away from you deploying things faster. Can we automate that security review? Can we make you move faster? There's a lot of different ways to approach this where we can talk to our security teams, where we can automate the security review, where we can um, make things faster for them. For example, another one would be, okay, you're getting all these vulnerabilities that are being created as a part of your asset. Where are these tickets going? Are they going back to the dev teams? Do they have to work on these vulnerabilities after the fact? How much time is that taking away from them generating more income for the for the organization, which is their main point. So as a result of them not implementing security earlier in the application lifecycle, what's actually happening is that they're becoming less productive. And that's the conversation we wanna have on that side of the fence is, how do we make you more productive? How do we make you better? How do we make the company more money? And that's how we can start implementing security across the application lifecycle by automating security. And for us coming in from the security side of things, we're not coming in and saying, we're going to slow you down. We're coming in and saying, we're going to speed you up. We're going to make sure that you are that you are moving faster, that you're implementing things in a, in a more effective way. Now, a lot of this comes back to some of the initial things that I talked about. Top, top five challenges, right? Silo teams. How do we work together? That's one of the things I just I kind of talked about. Training all staff don't have to have large teams, need to be very efficient. Now, I'm not going to go too much into AI on this, on this presentation, but a lot of times I'm talking to different CISOs and they're being asked right now on how do they utilize AI to be more efficient. That's, that's a conversation that's going on over and over and over. So again, where this comes back to is where you say, okay, I'm going to train my staff to be expert in this technology and that technology and that technology and that technology, more and more people's budgets are being cut. You're reducing your staff. You're trying to you're trying to justify your operational budget. I would say another thing that happens that I see a lot is companies move into the cloud and they say, okay, we're going to get this tool or we're going to get that tool. And then they don't justify the operational budget, the people that are going to be working on this. So what winds up happening is that people are just too busy in order to look at the vulnerabilities that are going on in the cloud. So again, they have to be more efficient. They need to be able to secure things early in the application lifecycle so they can reduce the vulnerabilities. So they're not like hunting and pecking and trying to figure out how to secure everything, trying to understand what are the most important vulnerabilities in your cloud environment and just addressing those because we don't have all the time in the world in order to fix all these things which I'll talk about a little bit later with one of the new features in Prisma Cloud called Attack Path. Now, if we look at lack of visibility, again, this, uh, this is one of the things that was mentioned before. I see this all the time where I'm talking to customers about why are they moving, what are their issues in the cloud right now? A lot of customers say, well, we just don't have visibility to what's going on. You know, we know we're moving to the cloud. I Almost every single time, there's more stuff going in the cloud than the customer knows about. You know, they start moving into the cloud. They're like, oh, there's this team doing this. There's this team doing this. So many times there's shadow IT where there's, uh, you know, teams are spinning up their own cloud accounts. They're doing this over here, this over there, getting kind of full visibility to what's actually going on and where the problems lie is, is problem number one. And then, of course, finding the right tools, finding the right platform in order to address things across the application lifecycle. If I were to boil down the overall customer journey, when I look at cloud security, from the Prisma Cloud perspective, and just in general, 
uh, we could boil it down to visibility and control, which is usually the first step into security. Prevention, which is what I'm talking about in terms of shifting left and implementing security early in the application lifecycle. And protection is saying, okay, well, we want to automate our protection of things. We don't have the staff in order to do things. How do we make sure that we're protecting ourselves from our vulnerabilities and malware and all the other things that are going on? Generally speaking, what I would say a lot of customers that I'm talking to, their, their first use case is going to be visibility in the cloud environment. They're going to say, okay, we want to get visibility. We want to know what's going on. We want to see what's going on. In addition to that, I would say the number two one is compliance and governance. A lot of customers, uh, just in general, are guided by those things. Now, I would say another thing. I, I see this like meme all the time when I'm on like LinkedIn, where it's like compliance and governance is not security, all this different stuff about it. That is true, but there is a lot of value in terms of getting yourself to CIS compliant or HIPAA compliant or PCI compliant, not just from a financial aspect, but also from a security aspect. It does drive budgets in order to get um, you know, enough security in your, in your organization. So, and a lot of customers are just guided by, it, right? They have to meet certain security requirements. They're like, okay, we're gonna get fined if we don't meet X, Y, and Z. So it's important to be able to say, okay, let's get visibility. Let's see where we are from a compliance perspective, you know, GDPR or whatever. And then the big conversation happens, which is vulnerability management. And that really goes back to everything I just kind of said around securing applications uh, earlier in the application lifecycle. Here's the reality of the fact is that while, yes, it is important to secure code earlier in the application lifecycle, you will have vulnerabilities on the runtime side of things as well. So what are you doing with all of your vulnerabilities? And this is where it comes back to processes. Having the right processes in order to secure your, your organization. I, For me, one of the things that I found that has been valuable for working with other customers is saying, let's spend time each week to prioritize processes within your organization and talk about how you're handling your vulnerabilities because so many times when I start, as soon as I talk talking about what are your internal processes for handling vulnerabilities, it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, like as soon as I start talking about that, there's high rolls, everybody starts laughing. It's like, well, we could be better. That's going to be a huge piece of security. It's a huge piece of security on the data center side, particularly in the cloud. It's going to be a huge piece of this is making sure that when the vulnerability is a critical vulnerability that you know has to be fixed gets assigned to the right person and it gets um, you know, remediated in the SLAs that you have defined. A lot of things around that is gonna be really, really important in terms of how well you're handling security. And yes, from my side of the fence, I'm talking about Prisma Cloud. I'm gonna be talking about you know, how we handle these things. And I think we have a great platform on how to do things, but no matter what tool you get, that's going to be a huge part of your success on handling the right processes in order to be successful. And then we'll talk a little bit more about prevention and protection as we kind of move through this. And I kind of talked about earlier, the reason why we're talking about a lot of this is the speed that we're moving in the cloud. Fundamentally, security has to be different in the cloud than it was in the data center because of the speed in which we are moving and what that means from securing things across the application lifecycle. What we're seeing right now is one vulnerability turns into 100 deployments, turns into 1,000 security alerts. And the effort to fix a bug 
during coding is 20 times more effort to fix a bug found during a production. Now, why is it 20 times more effort to fix a bug found in production as opposed to during coding? Well, think about it. Okay, well, we have an application, it's running. Now we need to fix this vulnerability. We need to put in a change control. Now everybody needs to sit down and talk about this vulnerability. When are we taking this offline? Is it going to affect this, this, and this? We're going to do this and we need to create a ticket that needs to be assigned to the right people who all the teams need to work together. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I'm not saying that you're going to be able to fix every single issue during coding, but the more issues you can fix during coding, the better off you're going to be. Or one thing that I found an addition is if you can put in comments in the coding that then get transferred over to, to runtime where you're accepting risk where you're saying, okay, not necessarily are we going to fix every single issue, but we are saying that we are aware of the issues that are going on. They were saying, okay, during coding, we found this particular issue, we are identifying it, we're doing risk acceptance, and we're saying, okay, so that when we have this vulnerability later on, we're like, what, what happened here? Well, no, well, we accepted earlier on in the coding process. We said that this is this is something that we can't deal with. We, you know, we, we aren't able to do it. We didn't want to have some sort of automated process. And it also gives a level of accountability. So we say like, oh, well, you said that this is going to be the case. Now we got to go back and deal with this. So there's a lot of different ways to deal with, um, with vulnerabilities earlier in the application labs. Of course, what I talked about earlier, sending everything to a SOC and then just saying that the SOC is going to deal with it is not a solution. Right now, less than 30% of SOC teams meet their goal for key metrics, and the average days to identify and contain a breach are 287, which obviously does not work. You can see none of these numbers work. Uh, it needs multiple tools to monitor these, 75 security products to monitor these assets. None of this really works in the real world. Again, this is an important part of vulnerability management. And I know that you know, people are gonna get sick of me talking about it, but it is a big part of security. Determining who are the teams that are receiving our alerts, what's the fixed process for each issue, what data is needed, how will we prioritize each item for fix, how do we provide the best service to extended our extended team members, how does this scale as we move toward infinite and additional tools, and what tools do we have on hand to implement the needs. And then, of course, building the using the tools identified, service improvement and optimization as you go through this, and adding additional data sources and normalizing, correlating the data. All these things are important for a good vulnerability management program. And no matter what tool you use, you use Prisma Cloud, you use whatever you do, this is going to be a key for you having a good security program. Now, one of the things I mentioned earlier was attack paths. One thing that we found in the industry is we know, okay, we're talking about shift left. Not all companies are going to be in the point and be able to do that. There's going to be runtime alerts. How do we make sure that we burn down the risk? Because this is what it really comes down to. What are we talking about when we're talking about security in the cloud? We're talking about risk in the cloud. And we're saying earlier, we don't have the amount of people in order to handle this. How do we burn down the amount of risk? What we've done in Prisma Cloud is we've implemented something called attack path, which what it does is it says, we're going to, one of the great things about Prisma Cloud is Prisma Cloud brings in information from a bunch of different sources. This is a key differentiator that you won't see across a lot of different pro, uh, other platforms. We'll bring in network flow logs. We'll bring in audit trails. We'll bring in 
you know, vulnerability data from calls. Now, from our side of the house, we have both an agent-based or an agentless solution to bring in vulnerabilities, right? But, you know, as the customer is saying, oh, we're already using false in order to get all of our vulnerability information or all of our vulnerabilities are going over there. Well, you can just send your vulnerabilities over here and then we can use a tack path and we can start burning down those to what are your number one most prioritized vulnerabilities so that we can look at what your network traffic is doing, what your misconfigurations are going on, what your vulnerabilities are. It's really easy to say, okay, well, you've got uh, 2,000 critical vulnerabilities, you know, go have fun. And then you're like, okay, well, I don't have I don't have the resources in order to, to address all that. What are we going to do? But instead of looking at the alerts, we're looking at the attack path vectors. And because we're looking at network traffic, we can see, has this been compromised? So not only you have vulnerabilities, you have issues, but have those vulnerabilities and issues have, has anybody actually done that? Has anybody gone through and, 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 you know, uh, compromise these particular attack path vectors. So this is one of the best things where it says, okay, you have five attack path vectors where we're saying, oh, these are major problems that you need to address. And when you start addressing those major issues, because it's a combination of issues, it's not just, we see this all the time uh, with our customers where we say, well, this is open to the internet over SSH, but we actually don't have uh, you know, a uh, an internet gateway on that particular VPC, so it doesn't really matter or whatever it is. But if you look at this and you're saying, oh no, there's a combination of different things here. You're allowing this particular port, and you have the vulnerability, and you you know, and we look at traffic and we see somebody going here, and we see somebody going over there, and we see a misconfiguration. We see an S3 bucket that could possibly com be compromised. This is the stuff that you need to be focusing on. So this is where we say, okay, you get Prisma Cloud, you burn down your risk. And from our perspective, you know, I'm from the, um, you know, I'm a global practice leader. So my role is based in services to work with our product and our sales teams. But from our side of the fence, that's the first thing, thing that we're talking to customers about is where are you in terms of your attack path? Are you burning down your risk? And when I'm talking to customers and they've had Prisma Cloud or they're going into Prisma Cloud, that's, there's two things that I talk about on whether you're successful in your security and cloud environment. Number one, are you burning down risk? What, how is everything going in your attack path? Are you bringing in vulnerabilities? Are you correlating alerts? Are you burning down your risk? And how are you doing that over a period of time? And if I look at uh, how you're doing, and I can say over the last month, or the last two months, you're 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, less, you know, less at risk because you've been burning down your attack path, you're doing a good job. You are becoming more secure as a result of using our product. In addition, a lot of customers have compliance requirements. And this all goes back to vulnerabilities because how are you becoming more compliant? You're burning on your vulnerabilities, you're removing misconfigurations, right? And that goes back to vulnerability management platform that you have the right platform to assign the right SLAs. If you're doing that, you have the right processes in the background, you're burning down vulnerabilities. And as a result of that, your compliance is going up, you're becoming 10% more PCI compliant. You look at your GDPR compliance over the period of time and you're becoming more compliant and these particular factors, you're doing a good job, right? You are being successful. You're you're not you're never going to reach a thousand percent in everything. But if you look at your uh, your risk and your risk is going down and your compliance is going up, then you're moving in the right direction, which is what we're trying to do with Prisma Cloud. So let's talk about securing the source and effectively preventing risk. One of the conversations that I have a lot with customers is they'll say to me. We're early on, 
with our security uh, platform, and we're just trying to get visibility into what's going on. And they understand the importance of implementing security earlier in the application lifecycle, but they're like, we're not there yet. I hear that a lot, but they're interested in doing it. One of the conversations I'll have a lot is if you looked at checkoff, because what happens a lot with our customers where we're talking to um, our dev teams is they're using something like Visual Studio Code in order to write their code. If you can, you can just download a plugin, checkoff for free and implement it within their, their IDE. And then they can just click a button and say, oh, these are your vulnerabilities. You can click button, say fix, like it says right here, fix, suppress, console documentation. And then boom, you fix your vulnerabilities. What I've found, and this comes back to my own background of um, deploying security earlier in the application lifecycle with different dev teams across different environments, is when I go to different dev teams and I say, hey, well, I'm going to implement Prisma Cloud, I'm going to implement early security early in the application lifecycle, they're saying in the initial, the initial thought is, oh, this is another tool I need to deal with. I don't want to deal with this. I already have my processes. Oh, is this going to slow me down, right? That's the number one concern. Is this going to slow me down from getting my job done? What happens is you do something like checkoff. They get the information really quick. They can fix things. It's speeding them up. And they go, oh, oh, no, this is actually pretty cool. Um, can I get access to the, to the council? Oh, I want to see what's going on. It's not that they're not concerned with security or that they want things to be insecure. It's just they don't have the right tools in order to do that so that it's speeding them up so that they're not you know, having problems. Usually once I show them that and I start implementing all this stuff, they go, oh no, that's really cool. Oh yeah, let me, I want access to that so that they can write better code. It's not that they're not interested in writing better code. It's just, they need the right tools to be able to do that and be able to Talk to them in a way that's like, hey, if I, let's lead them along slowly. Like, let's start off with checkoff. Let's implement their IDE. Let's get them to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm using this. I'm developing better code. Then let's move on to, you know, implementing Prisma Cloud and implementing in the GitHub repo or, or whatever we're going to, or your, you know, Jenkins pipeline or Azure DevOps or whatever you're using so that we just kind of bring them along so that they understand that like, hey, we're actually just making your job easier because we're going to, all these vulnerabilities are not going to be assigned to you in tickets where you're like, I don't have time to deal with any of this. I'm trying to get this thing out. We can just like, okay, we're going to implement, uh, you know, check off in your IDE and everything's going to start working and people are usually happy about that. Uh, in addition, kind of what I was talking about earlier, implementing guardrails tailored to your stack with zero disruption to existing engineering processes. That's the big key, zero disruption to existing engineering processes, where you can say, you don't have to start off to say, I'm going to click a button. And what I know customers hear all the time, we don't want anything to break, right? We're concerned about things breaking. We're going to implement security and everything is going to, everything's going to, you know, uh, go down. What we can do is we can start off and say, let's go, let's start off with alerts. Let's get the information. Let's start off with informational stuff and then move towards more, uh, you know, implementing the guardrails of failing a build if a critical vulnerability is in there. Or you put a root SSH key or, or whatever it is that you put in your code where you say, well, let's fail the build. And then they get an alert and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot about that. And then they fix it and then they move forward, putting guardrails around it. But again, this is a crawl, walk, run type of situation a lot of times. I would say a lot of the conversations I would have, this mirrors a little bit of what people are talking about in AI. 
in terms of using AI in order to implement security across the uh, their life cycle as well. A lot of conversations I'm having with different CISOs, same thing, the crawl, walk, run type of thing. I'm saying, okay, we're going to implement AI and just get started, see how it works, you know, uh, you know, start off with like alerting and then move forward. It's the same way with implementing guardrails. It's saying like, hey, we're going to implement these guardrails. We're going to get you, but the ultimate intent is we're going to get to that point where we have the guardrails, where we're implementing securing the life cycle, we're reducing vulnerabilities, we're making sure that we're moving faster for everyone. Now, this is something that I found probably more recently, probably within the last six months. Um, they were talking a lot about this a lot at uh, B-Sides, if you guys have been to that conference recently, about protecting the delivery pipeline is becoming at least as important as securing the software that is built. And this is a disclosure that um, if you if you have the link here, oh, I'm just bringing it up. Uh, but it's a CSI priority disclosure with basically the NSA and CSER kind of talking about this. What we're seeing in the market right now is a lot of people are attacking pipelines uh, as opposed to just uh, you know the the DevOps pipeline or uh, the the uh, you know your Jenkins pipeline and kind of compromising that and then using that to kind of move within um, the rest of the the organization. One of the things that I found really interesting for me is that uh, when I first saw you know the OWASP uh, top ten CI/CD risks. And I was like, oh, well, what does that really mean? When I started going to some of the presentations, like I said, we we're talking about it at B-Sides, where they're talking about, oh, well, this is what we're seeing in the market right now, where everybody's attacking these different CICD pipelines and these top 10 risks are, in order to attack the pipeline, you have to do this, 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 this. Well, these top 10 CICD risks are related to each of the things that have to be done in order to compromise this entire pipeline. So you go through and you start remediating these different risks. You can start remediating that as a, as a risk within your environment. But I was like, oh, okay. That's the reason why you have to start looking at your top 10 CICD risks so that you make sure that you don't have those excessive, one of the ways that they're getting in is the excessive GitHub app permissions. I'm like, oh, okay. These required reviews can be bypassed using GitHub actions. I'm like, oh, so they're using all of these risks earlier on in the pipeline and they're using that to compromise all these other all these other things. So you need to make sure you're looking at those top 10 CICD risks. Again, the top 10 OWASP CICD risks was developed by uh, one of the people that we acquired via the CIDR acquisition. So if you look at what Prisma Cloud can do, one of the big advantages that we have is being able to look at those top 10 CICD risks of saying, oh, this is what we're seeing in the environment. This is how we're addressing it. And this is, you can use uh, Prisma Cloud in order to kind of fix a lot of those things. So again, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, a big part of this is attack path analysis, uncovering the pathways to a breach analyzing the interconnections to uncover the pathways to a breach, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier about the pipelines, right? Seeing, okay, well, you can say, okay, well, this GitHub repo relates to this particular workspace, this relates to this deploy key that releases this secret. You can start looking at the attack path analysis and say, oh, well, they uncover this particular top 10 OWASP risk, and then they're working their way back in order to start doing the compromise. Uh, you know, doing the compromise. And that's the reason why being able to look at the attack path analysis is so important within Prisma Cloud. And then, of course, monitoring the supply chain. I know a lot of different companies, particularly ones in government, require this to be able to export an SBOM. This is another thing that I see a lot, pinpointing the source of risk and preventing drift detection. 
And this is where another advantage of Prisma Cloud really comes into play is being able to look at things across the entire application lifecycle with a single tool. This kind of goes back to one of my previous conversations that I was having about saying, okay, if you have multiple tools and you're saying, okay, we're gonna use this tool because we're gonna use that tool to, to look at our code and this tool to look at a runtime, and this tool to look at this, and then they're not all working together. How are you going to look at your drift? How are you gonna say, oh, well, we fix this over here and that fixes that over there? Because so many different times where people are playing whack-a-mole where they're fixing vulnerabilities later in the application lifecycle, but it all is happening because of this image earlier on the application lifecycle. So be able to highlight where the drift is in source control and runtime, and we will fix that across the lifecycle is really, really important. I don't know how many times, and this was you know, earlier in my career, where I'd be working with the customer and we'd be like, okay, we're going to edit this access list or we're going to edit this um, you know, security group or whatever we're doing. And then it's like, we do it. And then like there's a script earlier on in the life cycle that like fixes it again. We're like, oh man, uh, who is it that wrote that thing? We got to find that. Being able to have a visibility across the application lifecycle and be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, this is what's going on is really, really important. Now, when you look at Prisma Cloud, you can say, wow, you have all this capability, being able to secure the source from earlier in the application lifecycle, being able to secure the infrastructure and securing the runtime. Now, let's talk about some of the new features that have come to Prisma Cloud. One of the things I was talking about earlier is the code to cloud graph or being able to look at things across the lifecycle. One of the great new features is you can say, okay, when you look at Log4j, I know when I was um, on the customer side, I used to look at podcasts every day before I'd come to work. I'd put on my headphones, I'd hear about whatever new vulnerability was out there. And you know, there's usually something's terrible, everything's compromised. And then I'd get to work and my boss would be like, oh, did you hear about this? And I'm like, yes, 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 I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure it out. It's always like a like a big hurry, right? Everybody's like, oh, we need to figure it out. Oh, everything's compromised. We're going to be in big trouble, blah, blah, blah. So what you can do with Prisma Cloud is you can say, hey, I want to find all assets with Log4j. Or I want to look at whatever new vulnerability is. I'm going to look at that. And now I'm going to look at the runtime. But I'm going to look at the packages. I'm going to look at the pipelines. I'm going to look at the images. I'm going to see everything across the application lifecycle. And I'm going to look at my code to cloud graph. So I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to Google whatever the new vulnerability is that I, look, I heard on my podcast. I'm going to be like, oh, oh, there's this is what's going on here. And I can click a button. And I can just fix it all. So when I get to work. My boss comes in and says, hey, oh, I heard about this new vulnerability. You're like, yeah, I'm on it. I already fixed it. Boom. Everything's already done. I'm good to go. Or like you said, some people might be might be a little hesitant or to fix things across the application lifecycle. We can start adding comments. There's a lot of different things that we can do where we can say, hey, we're aware of all of our different vulnerabilities that have just arrived. So there's not just a big problem. You can bring this up in a meeting, be like, this is where we are. And this is what we're trying to do. These are our change controls in order to fix it. We're on it. We know what risk we have in our environment. Attack surface management. This is another thing where we talked earlier about shadow IT, about, okay, well, we have uh, different different people within our environment. We're trying to get visibility. What's going on? A new feature that's been added to Prisma Cloud is attack surface management. So you can understand your shadow IT cloud footprint. You can scan your cloud environments and say, oh, well, uh, somebody is doing this. Let's make that managed risk. We don't want to have unmanaged cloud footprints. We want to make it managed. 
so that then we can look at your managed risk and then start remediating the vulnerabilities. So we can start scanning our, our unmanaged cloud footprint and be like, oh, well, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is what's going on. Oh, there's that dev team over there and they're developing something in their own cloud environment and that's causing a problem. I know this is just uh, you know something that happened to me early in my career where I was, uh, when I was the head of the security team, I was uh, you know, managing you know, Palo firewalls and I started getting this alert that um, this SQL injection attack, where I was like, it was coming up as an SQL injection attack vulnerability. And I was like, what is going on here? And, you know, it was at some other department, another building. And I was like, why do I keep seeing this? And then I went over uh, and talked to the guy and I was like, you know, I'm seeing it from your machine. What is going on here? And he was like, oh, I'm, uh, I've got my own personal blog. And the code that I'm writing for the organization, I'm trying to post it in my blog and it's not working. And I was like, okay, well, that's the reason it was recognizing on our firewalls an SQL injection attack, but it was blocking this, this vulnerability that he was basically trying to, trying to post onto a public blog. Well, that's where I have managed risk, where I can be able to start looking at this. But if he was doing this in some other area or someplace where I didn't have access to it to be able to do a firewall, he could have caused some real major issues where he's posting you know, code of, that he's developing on our internal systems out into a public blog. So being able to start being like, okay, let's, let's get our hands around all of the security things that are going on, and let's start fixing. And of course, agentless vulnerability management. This is another really great feature that we have um, that's, arrived, that's arrived in Darwin. Now, one of the conversations that I've had with um, our customers previously has been around agentless versus agent-based protection. Now, I did, a, uh, I did a, a talk probably a year ago about agent versus agentless. And everybody in the talk was like, when do you use agents? When do you use agentless? Is there a reason or well, why would you use one or the other? At the end of the talk, there's really, I can come up with the use cases on why I need an agent or to, to do a defense. Ultimately, agents are going to be able to do more because they're on the, the endpoint themselves and they have visibility into what's going on. And for a lot of different reasons, like, for example, if I have malware that, if I have a hacker that has arrived in my environment, and people have a, a virus or malware that's been detected on a workload, what do people do? What's the first thing that everybody does? Wipe the machine, right? I hear this all the time, wipe the machine. If I have a hacker in my environment though, did that really solve the issue? No. But if I have an agent on that machine or that workload, I can say, how did they get on here in the first place? I can do a forensic analysis. I can say, oh, and because of Prisma Cloud, we can look at the network traffic. You'd be like, what are they doing within my environment? Are they copying from here to here to here? What type of techniques are they using? How do they get on here in the first place? And then this all goes back to vulnerability management again, where we say, okay, let's do an optimize and scale, and let's look at our vulnerability management process, and let's start remediating these things. But if you don't have that visibility, you're not going to know exactly what's going on. Now, the reality, though, is that you're not going to be able to put agents on every single workload. And people are very hesitant to put agents on workloads because they're concerned about CPO workload. I don't know how many times I've had this conversation, not just with Prisma Cloud or Palo Alto, but like across just my security you know, background, being in security, I don't know, 20 some years, whatever, um, where we start talking about agents 
And everybody says, oh, you know, uh, it takes up too much CPU. How much CPU does it take up? Blah, blah, blah. I would say from the Prisma Cloud side, our, you know, our, our agent is very lightweight. But of course, everybody's going to say that. The reality is, though, that, you know, agents do, uh, do have a capability for more, for a higher level of security. But you're not going to be able to put agents on everything. So, and some people are very hardcore agents, right? There's there's different people who are like, oh, I, I believe agents everywhere. I believe agentless. The reality is, you should be using both agentless and agents. You can do agentless. It's it's about the overall amount of being able to detect vulnerabilities across your across all of your workloads. So you can do agentless for all of these workloads. You can do agents for X, Y, and Z. So that you're getting the most important thing is that you're getting all the vulnerability information. And that you're saying, okay, we've, we understand with our workloads that we have all these vulnerabilities. We're going to send them. We've got visibility. And then we're going to correlate all this information. And with Prisma Cloud, now we have this agentless vulnerability management. We're going to say, okay, well, let's look at our vulnerability impact by stage. Okay, we've got these uh, packages that relate to these particular libraries that relate to these containers. And this is where it is in terms of, uh, you know, uh, runtime and functions, and then our total vulnerabilities by impact. And we can see which vulnerabilities are critical in use and patchable. So we can say, again, it's about burning down your risk. This is, you're going to hear me say it over and over and over. But the most important things, just in terms of cloud security management in general, is that you can showcase that you're burning down your risk. And with Prisma Cloud and with Darwin, we can showcase that. We can say, hey, you're burning down your attack path. You're burning down your critical, most patchable in-use vulnerabilities. You're, you're doing a good job. You're becoming more compliant. As a result of, of you doing what you need to do in your environment, you're burning down uh, what's the most important things in your environment. One of the really nice things that we have is our new search and investigate graphs and be able to do that through uh, real-time uh, verbiage. Um, previously, you know, you could only do that through an RQL language. Now I'm being able to do that and just saying like, this is what I'm looking for. I need to be able to build graphs. This is really, really important. Also, one of the things that you'll notice here is you'll say, okay, well, we have an internet and building out the attack path, right? We have an internet. We see your IPA gateway. That's a VPC that relates to subnets. Those two ENIs. And you have a EC2 publicly exposed instance. Well, we also see that you have X amount of critical vulnerabilities. You have these EC2s with management access. You have uh, data exfiltration that we see going on. Being able to look at all the different things and correlate all the data is really the magic of Prisma Cloud. You turn on the features, you really start seeing where are my biggest risks within my environment. Oh, do we have, uh, you know, from, I, we didn't even talk about identity using IM graph, showing the permission impact across the, uh, across the cloud. Okay, do we have, you know, do we have overly permissive roles that are being used? I don't know how many times where, um, you know, you know, identity is one of those crazy things in the cloud right now where I have people coming to me and saying, hey, uh, I have a, a test cloud environment. I need access. We're like, what access do you need? I don't know. I need access to everything. Right. So what happens is that you want to bring, OK, well, I want to I want to implement least privilege access. So I'm going to have access to this and this. And then people say, well, I need access to this. I need access. Oh, that didn't work. I need access to this. What winds up happening is people are like, you know, I don't I don't care. Wildcard character, wildcard character, wildcard character. You wind up giving more overly permissive access. With Prisma Cloud, one of the things that you can look at is not just are privily, are people are people overly permissive, but have they been used within a certain period of time? So in other words, have these permissions on this role arm 
been used within the last three months, been used within the last six months. And then let's just start going through and removing those permissions that are not in use. So we can really do least permissive roles within, within AWS or, or wherever or Azure or whatever. And for me, my background in terms of doing identity management, what winds up happening is that a lot of times where we say, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna reduce the permissions, we're gonna do identity management. But then somebody gets the permissions removed that's in use on something that they really think is important. They bring it up the chain. They say, oh, my permissions got removed. Then everybody says, oh, okay, let's slow, let's slow this down. And I can guarantee you in security, if somebody says, let's put this on the back of the line, later means never in security. If somebody says, oh, this is being moved to the back of the line, it's never going to happen. So that's the reason why it's so important with Prisma Cloud that you can look at identity roles and see what is not in use. So you're not removing permissions that are in use for customers and breaking things. And then of course, being able to, again, I keep talking about vulnerability management, but having that integrated vulnerability management. What could go wrong does go wrong. Protect the crown jewels against attacks with advanced runtime protection and prevention and protection techniques. And then the last but not least, being able to do application identification. This is one of those new features that we brought to Prisma Cloud, which I think is really, really interesting because what winds up happening is that we've been talking a lot about workloads, containers, but what's the actual application that we're trying to protect? And we, from here, we can look at your uh, applications, do identification and really see the full, the full you know, uh, story of like, what is the application we're trying to protect? And then you can start looking at all the workloads and then really start making your security decisions based off of that. So you can start saying, and in addition to that, it gives you a good, a good um, you know, way to talk about how you're doing security. You're not, you know, when you're talking to your exec team, you don't have to be like, oh, we protected this amount of wearware from this container, blah, blah, blah. It's like your application generates X amount of income. This is what we're doing to protect your application. It's it, the way that the conversation gets framed is a much better one. So that's all I have for today. Again, thank you everybody for joining the webinar. I hope it was really helpful to hear kind of what's going on in the industry and how Prisma Cloud is addressing it. So um, thank you everybody for your time.